And our second reading this day comes to us from the Gospel of Mark and can be found on page 813 of your Pew Bible. It's one of the first stories of the miracles of Jesus. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door, and he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after having dug through it, they let, they let down the mat on which the man lay. May God add to our understanding and bless these words. preaches this morning, I did want to let you know a little more about him. The Reverend uh, Dr. Thomas Hunt. Tom has been a member of Pilgrim Church since 1966, spending some time away to serve churches of his own. Um, And his first retirement when he also moved to Maine, but then came back here. Tom served as the director of the Department of Pastoral Care and Clinical Pastoral Education Supervisor at UMass Worcester Medical Center, where he was also the Protestant chaplain. Later, Tom worked as the critical care coordinator in that setting. As we know, Tom is married to Susan Hunt for 62 years. Susan here today? Hi, Susan. And he has two children, Leslie and Tom Jr., three grandchildren and two great-grandchildren. And in the next couple of weeks, they will be moving to Thompson, Maine, to be close to family. And so, Tom, I invite you to the pulpit. People have asked if uh, I were feeling nervous about this morning. And I said, yeah, I am really nervous. It reminded me of when my ski coach noticed that my ski jumping execution lacked a certain finesse. And he said, Tom, don't forget to breathe. He noticed that I would take this deep breath on the trestle just before. So this morning I take a deep breath. And um, Pastor John asked me to reflect a little bit uh, on the question, why does faith as lived out in a community such as Pilgrim Church, why does that matter? And I will reflect briefly as possible about that. But first, Susan and I want to thank Uh, you, Pastor John, for your pastoral leadership in this congregation that has been truly outstanding right from the very beginning, 11 years ago. And I have found that it's not always true, but you are extraordinarily comfortable leading worship 
in a most pastoral way. And that's a gift, and I hope the congregation will recognize that. Your introductions to the Sunday morning services are just extraordinarily meaningful. So thank you for all of that, for your kindnesses to Susan and me and to so many in the congregation. And I want to thank members of the congregation who, uh, some of you, as I look out, we've known since those 1966 years. Incidentally, I was the treasurer of this congregation when we first moved here. We had a budget of somewhere around, it might have reached $30,000, I'm not sure. The pastor, Pastor John Morgan, would be practically leaning on the door every Friday when I bring his, his money. <laughs> so, so many of you have given so much to boards and committees and have extended kindnesses uh, and for which we are most grateful. And to Corey and Jane for their extraordinary stewardship of our children and young people in their Christian education and formation. And for you, David Tiedman, Minister of Music, you are. Artist in Residence, you are. And I thank you, Susan and I, for your nearly 40 years of faith-inspired dedication to our worship life. And to all of you choristers and bellsters, if there is such a word, your music has brought hope and a feeling of great serenity to this worship experience for all these years. And I hesitate to say as I look around, some of you are getting a bit long in the tooth. <laughs> Bless him. Well, my earliest memories of church uh, began with a strong feeling of spiritual presence. That is sin qua non. Spiritual presence. It felt good to be in that holy place. In the first instance, there I was sitting in this quintessential congregational church in New Canaan, Connecticut. I would be observing my parents begin their worship service, their worship experience, uh, leaning forward and bowing their heads in prayer. The organ music sounding itself a sacred prayer. prayer. And even as a child, I much preferred being in worship rather than in the basement doing Sunday school. <laughs> in the second instance, I was sitting in St. Mark's Episcopal Church, in New Canaan, observing the splendor of the stained glass window, observing the altar and the cross, 
listening again to the organ music, feeling the beauty of both with their spiritual presence. Again, it felt very good to be there. In both instances, being in church felt essential to my being. It offered sanctuary, a holy refuge, truly authentic being and beauty. Now, the church is a community of care just like a hospital. When my time for retiring as chaplain at UMass, I had the opportunity of meeting and talking with a candidate for my replacement. And as we walked around, um, uh, he, he said to me, it strikes me that just hearing you talk and watching you walk through this community hospital, that you're treating this just like a church. And, you know, I took that as a supreme compliment because that's exactly what uh, we as chaplains, and there was the priest, Father Davenport, and there was a rabbi, we were all on the same page trying to be those kinds of pastor as being in a church. The primary responsibility of pastoral care are, which they now call spiritual care, um, sustaining people in the healing of terrible situations, helping them to reach a spiritual reconciliation. It's a ministry of healing, helping struggling and suffering people to endure. And I'm deeply drawn to that story of Mark with the four strong people carrying the paralyzed man. It's very easy for me to see myself the paralyzed man on that stretcher. I remember even thinking of that story when I was recently wheeled into the operating room for a hip surgery. It felt so good to be, it it was so secure and serene. And I thought of this Haitian woman at UMass Hospital I would hear her and see her. She would hum hymns as she transported patients to the operating room or to other places in the hospital. It was such a serene moment for them and for me. I remember being with a man dying in the pastoral in the palliative care unit. He said to me, Chaplain, in some ways, this is the best time in my life because for the first time, I have felt loved and cared for. You see, you and I, 
We are all in some form or other that person on the stretcher being carried into Jesus' presence. We need healing. We all feel at some time paralyzed in our life by some emotional, spiritual, or physical burden. We all need to be carried at some time in our life. We all need healing. There is a spirit for me, a spiritual, uh, a very deep core, powerful core element in the ministry of care. Now, our Catholic Christian brothers and sisters know this well. It's less, perhaps, identified in, within the Protestant tradition. I speak of the power of intercessory prayer. We do pray for each other. We do that well here. But there's a, a deeper dimension even because Paul in Romans talks about how the Spirit prays for us. We forget that. Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, prays for us, as Paul says, with sighs too deep for words. As the four people carrying the stretcher illustrate, and we move now to the Romans 12 passage, We are instructed to, even though we are wounded healers on that stretcher, you and me, we at some point get up and become the carriers. This reading was Lemuel Petty. He was a math retired math teacher at Westminster, where I was. And he would read that passage in the most thunderous voice, similar to our dearly beloved late Gordon Morrison. He would read that passage so the sleepiest, most bored student would sit up and think, what's going on here? The part that really captured me was do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the the renewal of your mind. And he goes on to describe in detail about putting that love into faithful action. And Pilgrim Church does that very well. And I just am so proud of what we do in that outreach to so many people. But the idea of the renewal of the mind really caught my attention. I wasn't, I didn't have a well-formed reason for that at that time, but over the years I've learned to value that highly. Now, I believe 
that the Christian church needs to be a moral voice speaking a moral truth and clarity to compelling issues in our life, in our common life. I well remember listening to the Reverend Dr. Lehman, John Lehman, at the Jaffrey Center Church in Jaffrey, New Hampshire, during the upheaval of the Vietnam War and the Kent State shootings and all of that, I can still hear him very clearly in the voice of the biblical prophets of Amos and Isaiah and Jeremiah during that awful time. The moral voice of Jesus reaches wide and deep. Let me finish with this. Every once in a while, I would hear a patient at the hospital call out, Chaplain, could you please give me a blessing? And I've thought about that idea, that plea, and maybe the idea of blessing might be one the most important parts of living in a community of faith like Pilgrim Church. When I hear, Chaplain, could you give me a blessing, I was reminded of Esau in the book of Genesis. His plea, Father, can you bless me also? Have you not a blessing for me? And you, is, is that not a question that you ask, that we all ask to be blessed, to know that we have been accepted by God forever and always. And so I want to offer that blessing to you and just Ask the Lord to bless you and keep you, and the Lord to make his face shine upon you and to be gracious unto you. And may the Lord, loving God, forever look kindly upon you and give you peace. The Lord watch between you and me while we are apart, one from the other.